to this week's new podcast. Today we are switching over to our new big topic, and in this big and stuff, but on we will be discussing a bunch of interesting things. Into that, I just want to say that we have a doctor with us today. Yay! Woohoo! He will be joining us in the episode and this is gonna be exciting because while so it'll be nice to have a new what we're gonna be talking about today is the development of agriculture. So let's get started. Alright, so, to begin, um, hunting and gathering was the primary or most um, known form of obtaining food. And this was from way, way back when. But then recently, about 12,000 years ago, we started to switch to the use of agriculture, which by definition is the process of humans altering the landscape in order to raise crops and livestock for the consumption and trade and basically the evolution of agriculture has gone through three major leaps or revolutions um the first um neolithic um occurred um and was the origin of farming and this was the first um marked domestication of plants and animals and this was a type of subsist farming which is where it's for the farmer it's not on a excuse me it's not on a commercial scale yet and then as we continue um into the 1700s it becomes more commercialized in the second revolution um and this is due to the industrial revolution and the large need for agricultural products to support population growth and these were both benefited from or by um, different innovations as well as um, different techniques and improved knowledge of fertilizer soils and selective breeding and then finally the third revolution began in the 1960s so fairly new um, and this included the green revolution as well as um, agribusiness models of companies controlling the development, planting, processing, and selling of farm products to consumers. And basically there were five major hearths in which agriculture kind of grew and and diffused from. And these, um, what they are is most of Asia, so Southwest Asia, East Asia, South Asia, Africa, and then the Americas. And these hearths, according to geographer Craig, excuse me, not Craig, don't know where that came from, apologies, geographer um, Carl Sauer, I believe, um, and he began writing in the mid-20th century, and he was one of the first to argue that agricultural hearths were independently established at various times and locations, and that these all included 
in some form or fashion animal domestication which is the raising and caring of animals by humans for protection and food um one notable thing about this is um dogs they were originally bred and domesticated for central asian hunters and this kind of led to many many domestications into the dogs that we have today as pets and then plant domestication which was believed to come after animal domestication in which um crops are grown by people and then they are raised and harvested by them as well and this was basically the use of stems and roots from existing plants and then in developed into what we modernly use to grow plants unnaturally per se um which is seeds and these major hearths um i'm just going to go through some time periods where they kind of occurred and some of the crops that were involved and so from the furthest point in time about twelve thousand years ago in south west asia um Wheat and similar products like oats and rye were predominantly grown and these diffused into North Africa, Southern Europe, as well as Central Asia. And then 10,000 years ago, again in Asia, Southeast Asia, mangoes, um, taro, and coconut were main crops and they diffused into other parts of Asia, um, especially the southeastern parts of Asia. And then again in East Asia in about 9,500 years ago, um, rice, soybeans, and walnuts were diffused or became prominent and diffused into the Korean Peninsula as well as Central Asia. And then we're getting a little closer um, 7,000 years ago in sub-Saharan Africa, yams, coffee, cowpeas, American, um, African rice were predominantly grown in that region and then diffused into North and Western Africa. And then, um, just one more example, um, most recent out of all these 5,500 years ago in Mesoamerica, Things such as squashes, peppers, corn, potatoes were all grown and they were diffused through North and South America. And then this diffusion um, of these different herds um, led to many different urban centers because um, most of the settlements and stuff were grown around um, powerful and uh, sustaining environments. And this led to some of the largest um, societies with um, strong and large cities as well as powerful states. And these were um, these grew into the first civilizations. And um, these continued to increase trade. And then it grew into larger and larger different groups. And then they continued to diffuse as, as um, states became more eager to branch out and expand their empires and over the over thousands of years agriculture has um, spread widely and increased amongst many different cultures and it mainly 
um, diffused through many paths in the ancient world and then kind of spread out from then to now. But one of the most notable is the Columbian Exchange, and that is the global movement of plants and animals between Afro-Eurasia and the Americas. And this is basically the trade back and forth of agricultural products found in the Afro-Eurasia continents and then the Americas, and they would trade back and forth because some products weren't be weren't able to be grown in certain conditions found in each place so they kind of leveled out and that's how you got um or that's how you get when you go to the supermarket you see all different types of different agricultural products that have come from different places around the world okay so i think this is this goes without saying but um geography is everything in agricultural everything essentially um climate soil types and landforms all influence how people farm in regions and this can influence the type of agriculture which takes place as well as if agriculture can take place because in some places it's just not ethical or logical to be doing agriculture because it's not going to benefit anything and with those types of places humans have altered the landscape to allow for agriculture and some of them some of the more notable examples of this are redirecting the redirectings of streams and removals of natural obstacles and so i just want to talk about a few of the techniques and alterations to landscaping that humans have been a part of um terracing or terrace farming is where Farmers build a series of steps into a hill so they can use a normally um, slanted surface and create it flat so that, that they are able to farm more effectively. And then also um, the water helps to um, sustain crops and it kind of runs down and slopes down the hillside. So it's basically an irrigation system as well as a effective use of land space excuse me and then um irrigation which i talked about earlier is just the diverting of water from its natural course or location to aid the production of different crops and then all of this um has influenced um how large farming operations are and basically a region's carrying capacity, which is the number of crops or people that are in an area that an area can support, um, can either increase or decrease this farmland space. So if there's more people, then they're gonna need more farm space because food is essential for survival. That's a fact. Everybody knows that. And then, in addition, um, there have been negative consequences to this um, deforestation, which is the removal of large um, sections of forest has um, destroyed many ecosystems and habitats around the world. And then something similar, um, but the overuse of land has resulted in um, desertification, desertification, which is basically the transformation of land that was once fertile into desert. 
And then this has led to a bunch of other um, devastating global um, environmental issues that I won't go into now because they're not necessarily important in talking about agriculture. They're more of a byproduct or result. But then um, one final negative thing I want to talk about is actually it's negative in the fact that you're removing vegetation but then also helping the soil in return and that is the slash and burn method where um, vegetation is cut down and then burned to provide soil or the soil with nutrients through the ash and this has occurred for a long time and one um, notable occurrence of when um, or one of the worst um, ecological disasters was the Dust Bowl in the 1930s and this was due to the massive overuse of soil and this was a bunch of soil erosion um, which basically swept up and made it almost impossible to farm due to the lack of rain and such winds that it kind of carried all of this just um, essentially floating on top of the ground um, dust to be picked up and swirled around and it was a very bad time in history for um, economic reasons and then we're gonna have Arthur special take over talking about different um, um, tendencies and different um, impacts that this has had so I'm gonna to send it over to him right now Hello everybody, and it's been so long since I've been back here, I can't remember how much, how long it's been really, and I'm just so excited that I'm here in the United States, um, I think it was a great move, um, more opportunities here to inform the world about different geographical, um, geographical, what's the word I'm looking for? geographical issues and information that many people don't really know and so I'm just grateful that Luke was able to get me out here and we are going to be talking about a lot of interesting stuff today. So um, to begin, um, commercial agriculture has been a very um, a very uh, recent trend where um, farmers focus on raising one specific crop to sell for a profit. And usually, that's not the best idea, but when you have many people doing it, making several different crops, it kind of works out. And then you have, um, and then you have all these different types of commercial agricultures that come together in your supermarkets and such to provide the food that everybody's eating and buying today. And this replaced the um, subsistence farming, which once existed long, long ago. Now I do apologize because I sound a little weird. Um, I had a cold recently, um, and also I'm working on my American accent because some people are really hurtful and very offensive when they hear a British person talking in the United States. They're like, they're so different than us Brits, and it's rather interesting. Um, I guess it's just part of different culture, I suppose. And so, um. Some impacts I want to talk about are about the second agricultural revolution were um, um, were accompanied by 
the Industrial Revolution that began in Great Britain in the 18th century, and this involved the mechanization of agricultural products and advances in technology and the development of large-scale irrigation. And this kind of changed the consumption patterns of agricultural goods because it allowed um, for different techniques and different harvestings of larger amounts of food for people. So it basically increased and bettered the agricultural industry. And this was due to steel plowers and mechanized harvesting. Harvesting. Um, some of, and then technology, of course, and everything we do and talk about has some effect in it. And that is mostly um, throughout the mid-19th century and early 20th century, which kind of um, helped in that. Um, not necessarily in the agricultural, but in the life expectancy, which in terms also results in the agricultural aspect of things. Now, um, in addition, um, we have really figured out what we're doing with land. And I know that sounds really cheesy and stuff. But um, before we really were like, okay, here's a plot of land. We're going to put some farm crops on it and grow. But now we've really figured out and strategized how we're going to do this. And due to the Enclosure Act, which was a series of laws enacted by the British government, um landowners were able to purchase land and enclose their own land um, throughout Europe. And usually land um, was used by peasant farmers, but this kind of changed how it was used. And this was spread all throughout Europe. And farms became larger and produced more. And they were more effective and they brought in a larger profit. However, it was not popular for everybody because it kind of lost some of the traditional ways of life that were present before. And these advances in planting and harvesting, as well as storage and irrigation and transportation were made in the agricultural um industry throughout the 17th century the 17th century is very is very busy some there was a lot that went on and i think i'm gonna create my own podcast maybe and just talk about history because i love history and i love the connections it makes to different geo geographical places in the world and i find that very interesting and um, so we're going to just talk about a few earlier advancements in modern agriculture, if that's okay with you, Luke. Of course, I mean, (laughs) you seem to know what you're talking about, so just continue, and we don't have too much time, but you can go through it, because I think this is beneficial. Alright, thank you very much. Okay, so, um, the iron and steel plow was created in the early 1800s, and it reduced human labor, and was, um, Able to increase the amount of crops grown per acre and increase sizes of farms. And then also um, mechanized seed drilling in the 18th century allowed for more seeds to be planted quickly and resulted in a larger yield of crops. And then also the 
is it um, the McCormick Raper or the um, Harvester in the 1830s resulted in larger harvests and reduced human labor again. So all these are making it much easier and more efficient in agricultural aspects. And then also the grain elevator, which was um, increased storage space and food for food supply, and then also protected harvest food from animals because those pesky little buggers can really mess up a harvest. There's also barbed, barbed wire, which is an inexpensive form of fencing which kept livestock out of grazing areas or kept them in and then protected different crops. There was also different fertilizers in the 1900s that increased crop yields. And then some notable changes and shifts in demographics. Um, during the second agricultural revolution, there was a resulting, it resulted in a f- in fewer, larger, and more productive farming. So that while there were fewer farms, there were larger farms, and there were more productive farms. It has caused a number decrease in farmer farm owners as well as agricultural laborers laborers in addition in the um in the 19th century um residents migrating to urban centers in europe and the united states led to this decreasing numbers as well and only 30 percent of the labor force worked in agriculture which was less than half of what it was in the 1840s so there's been a large decrease but a large increase in quantity um and then the green revolution that was um the development of high yielding disease resistant fast growing very uh varieties of grains um and it was one of the largest and best and biggest advancements in growing different grains um, this also allowed um, some farmers to double their crops and that was a really major deal because things such as grains were essential in almost anything that was created back then and is still used today um, and then there were also hybrids which were um, processes of breeding um, together two different plants to get desirable characteristics and this kind of leads into biology um, with the different heredity and um, Mendelian traits. And then also GMOs were created, um, which are um, essentially the hybridization, um, which are hybridization differs from the products of genetically modified um or excuse me organism which stands for gmo G, um genetically modified organi- organism which is basically um these hybrid effects and how they differed from one another excuse me i don't know what's going on i cannot talk today apparently and these have really advanced throughout time when we have thousands of different other types of crops that would have essentially never ever been created if we never 
experimented with differing and altering the genetic agricultural characteristics of many different types of plants and that's how we get many of the different types of plants and foods that we have today and then also there are many positive effects such as new seed technology as well as higher yields and such um from the 1960s to the 2000s i want to note that wheat was up 288 percent and then a corn was up 157 excuse me and these are large numbers compared to the short amount of time in which they occurred. Um, and the, also the World Bank estimated that 20% of the developing world's population had an adequate diet, which means that large groups of people are getting food because more and more farms and more and more yields or, or higher yields are being used. And... Um, this has also helped with money and businesses, and it's basically created larger rates of interest in both the political and private sectors. Um, food pricing depends on the yield of crops, and it changes all the time. I know sometimes we go to the grocery, and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm really not going to pay that much for a lemon. But, you know, you got to put it in your tea, so it's like... Please make some more lemons, and you don't want to go home and buy a lemon tree because that's not worth it. You always have the best environment. Trust me, I know from experience. You want to grow some lemons, you should head to more warmer areas. And um, there were, of course, negative outcomes, um, and some of these include um, again environmental damage and lack of sustained investment and the um disregard for local needs it was all on a large scale and then this also led to different impacts on the gender roles this basically allowed um women who were um women to um, learn new techniques and this kind of put a label on women as more of the farming type, which, or garden type, but that's really kind of an outdated and one-sided view, because back then men worked the machines, and usually women tended the garden and did housework, but this has really come a long way in this aspect of agriculture, and that's really brought out a lot of different things, as well as the many been many economic changes the agricultural industry is one of the largest growing industries in the world and i find that it is essential like very much so essential in the world for that reason of providing people food and then i believe that that is basically all we're going to talk about now but in summary luke do you have anything else you want to tell everybody because i think i kind of covered most of the um, effects of it but i think you covered a lot of the notable things so I was just wondering if you had any other things um you know Arthur I think you pretty much nailed it I mean the only thing that I would note is that there have been some successes of this as well as poor successes of the green revolution in Africa but other than that I think you did a wonderful job and I thank you for coming on the show today And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I hope our viewers enjoyed it. I know our podcasts have been kind of bland, but um, we're hoping to 
make them a little more interesting coming up. We got some new ideas. Um, it's kind of been bland because our studio is being redone, as you can tell. Oh yes, um, I kind of like it actually. It brings more warmth and good vibes into the air, and I think it's going to be great because I think that, like you said, um, after this is all done, we can kind of get back into the creative spirit and really dig in and make these amazing podcasts. And so I know Luke usually does the sign-offs, but I'm just going to say um, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, I'm going to be back next week for sure if Luke allows me. Yeah? No? I don't really know. Of course, we'd love to have you. Um, oh, thank you so much. Okay, so I'm going to go. I got some errands to run. And then I'm going to be meeting with some designers for my new flat. I'm quite excited about that. This has been quite a journey moving to America, but it's been a wonderful experience. And then I hope we get to meet our new co-host. It's so bizarre. I mean, the weather here is just so different from anything we have in England. So it's going to be getting, it's going to be a lot of getting used to, but I think it's going to be great. So thanks everybody. And here's Luke. All right, everybody. So that's all we have for this week. Um, talking about the development of agriculture um next week we're going to be talking about more about agriculture i apologize this podcast is very long this week um but you know you can't rush people with such a vast knowledge such as arthur arthur is such an amazing person and if you guys ever see dr special around just um acknowledge him he loves to spark up conversations he's such a great conversationalist when it comes to this stuff so if you guys have any questions um feel free to comment um email him i'm sure he would love to get that feedback and response from you guys being that he's new to this country and that's basically all i have for this week next week we got more and it's going to be even better because basically it's just a lot of talking right now i apologize for that but next week for sure a thousand percent new co-host along with Dr. Arthur Special. I believe he's going to be joining us, so we're going to have a little trio, and that's going to be pretty interesting. Um, Thank you guys once again for coming, and I'm going to wrap this up. Okay, thanks everybody once again for tuning in. Um, That's all I have for this week. Um, Remember to look up every once in a while. It's a big world and you never know what you're going to miss. Thanks, guys. This is Luke signing out. And once again, I apologize for how long this podcast is. I know, I know. Sometimes we get a little carried away over here. But next week, it will not be as long. I am so sorry. Um, Thanks, guys. And have a great week.